Greetings in the name of the Lord. I hope all of you are well. And here is another podcast coming your way. It's a little different than other ones. Uh, last week was our first live service back in uh, June 21st was Father's Day. We had approximately 30 people in church. It's a good time back. And we also recognize that is in the days that are coming or the Sundays that are coming, that perhaps some of you would still prefer to remain at home and kind of feel things out before you return to church or other public settings. And we respect that. So there will be a form of podcast that will be coming. Last week we had uh, in our service, it was, we had a lot of the Father's Day tributes that you had seen um, online in last week's service were, were what we played live as well. We also had a, a welcome back video from Pastor Ed Skutchek. Pastor Ed is, uh, he is the lead pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in Kelowna, British Columbia. He is also the uh, the current president of CALC, Canadian Association of Lutheran Congregations. And so he delivered a welcome back address to us and it was really, really wonderful to hear from him. And so I included that address into this podcast. Now, moving forward into the uh, the weeks to come, there, as I said, there will be a form of a podcast. It will not be coming available as early as the ones previously when we were currently on lockdown. Uh, it will appear um, probably for the first little while, probably around 1.30 is when they'll become available on the, uh, on the church website. Uh, it may work out to be earlier in that we're looking into the possibilities of doing a live broadcast. And so right at 11 o'clock, simultaneously, you'll tune in and you'll see everything happening live in the church service. Um, as It's not as if you're there, but you're seeing what it's, what's going on there live. Uh, and recognizing, too, that Internet services, um, meaning that uh, your, inter your Internet provider being whomever it is that you use, our providers are somewhat limited uh, and there's lots of breaks and buffering that happens on a live feed. But don't worry about that because while the live feed is happening, it will be uploading all at the same time and uh, you could watch afterwards without all of the breaking and the buffering and all of that too. So um, they're just so that you're aware of that. We're looking into those possibilities, but we're, we'll constantly be trying to modify and improve and deliver the best um, internet service Sunday service that we can to you because you matter to us all and um, and, and I think I think I'll leave it at that for now and, and in this in this particular podcast or this service it's uh, it's a message of hope it's all it's a service of hope hope given how do we receive hope and hope for what do we hope for in the future how has hope sustained us how has hope uh, not only um, sustained us but allowed us to survive and even thrive and flourish and can hope still do that for us tomorrow? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. And I hope that through all that takes place and transpires through what you viewed this morning, we'll, we'll affirm that in your heart and we'll encourage you and inspire you. So God bless you and uh, may he keep you and uh, may your days be filled with joy, the joy of the Lord. God bless. The Lord be with you. My name is Pastor Ed Skutchek. I have the distinction of being the pastor, one of the two pastors at Grace Lutheran Church in West Kelowna, British Columbia, and also the president of the Canadian Association of Lutheran Congregations, or CALC. It is my pleasure this morning as the president of CALC to welcome uh, everyone at Christ Lutheran in Morden, Manitoba back to church for worship again. 
Uh, and it is fortuitous because this Sunday, when you begin worship, is Father's Day. Generally, uh, on this Sunday and maybe uh, this afternoon, uh, there's a, a special dinner for Father, um, and there's the presents that are given. Um, I was preaching uh, this uh, today for a Father's Day, and I talked about, for me, what, what, what was one of my uh, favorite Father's Day gifts many years ago, um, uh, more than I'd like to think about. Um, I was a lawyer practicing in Southern California and my son who was in grade three at the time um, gave me this gift. I mean, I when I went off uh, uh, to work, often if I had to make an appearance in court or whatever, I would always wear a black suit and a crisp white shirt and a burgundy tie. And that was sort of my trademark. And what do I get for Father's Day but this beautiful big button uh, that was laminated and there I am with at that time I had my dark curly hair, uh, my black suit, my red tie and white shirt and I just I cherish that um, and because it represented what I believed his you know his what he thought of me and his love for me at that time in my life. So what's interesting is today God has given you all a gift is again, you know, usually the fathers receive, but today your heavenly father has given you a gift. He's given you the gift of being able to come together and to praise and worship him on a beautiful Sunday in Morden, Manitoba. And we have to remember, I think today is an important day because what we do is we give thanks to God for our earthly fathers. They were a gift and are a gift to us. God uses fathers and mothers and the word and the sacrament and, and, the, and the Holy Spirit in the whole mix to build something in children, to build faith, to build character, under, to love, to show grace, to show mercy, to give and to receive discipline when you need it. That's all a gift from God. And we thank God. We thank God. As Paul said, we are so thankful that our fathers loved us and disciplined us, and they disciplined us for our good, and we reap the benefits of everything our fathers did every day. But today we also remember that God is our Father, that He adopted us. Uh, in my sermon I talked about how uh, when Joseph when um, he, he is seen as a great father figure. Why? Because he trusted God. Here his, his, his beloved, his betrothed, the woman that he was about to take as his wife to bring her to his home, he finds that she's with child and he's terribly disappointed. But yet God calls him to have hope, to have faith and said, says, Joseph, you're a man of integrity. Take this woman because you know what? What you see as a child child that, that comes from a, 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 perhaps a sinful thing happened. Nothing happened. This is a part of God's plan. The child she's carrying is from the, is from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and Joseph, he had faith and trusted God. And then when, it came, when the time came, when it came to name the child, the text says in Matthew, 
Matthew 1, and Joseph gave him the name Jesus, God's salvation. He said his name in public and thereby adopted Jesus as his son. And so think back to that day. And many of us, because we were infants, we can't think remember that day. But there is a day in which a pastor said your name. And then the water was placed on you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God made you his child. And with that water and with that word, you were joined to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You received the Holy Spirit. You became a new creation. That is a gift that God gives, and it keeps on giving every day from today and takes us into eternity. So my prayer for you today is that you come to, to realize the great gift that God, your Father, has given you today in your community, in being together. Let's never take it for granted. And let's always remember that every day, every worship service, every Bible study, every meeting, everything we do is a gift from God. Let's receive it as a gift, use it as a gift, strive for unity, strive to speak with one voice. Amen. And my prayer is that your worship today is deep and wide and rich and you praise and glorify God for giving you a father and for being your father. Amen. With uh, with this whole new way of kind of, well, not new way, but this, with this different way of kind of doing things, like I have like a zillion things that roll through my mind that I don't want to forget, and uh, and I'm already doing it. I got chicken scratch all over the place here, but um, it's I'm glad that you who are here are here. It looks like we have maybe a touch more numbers than last week. It's right around the same still, but we went we're right around that 30ish mark here. And just to go over some of the, I'm not going to do this every single Sunday from here on in, but just going over some of the COVID reminders again that as you recognized as you came in, you saw the, the, the hand sanitizers and the drop boxes. We're not handing the plates around. And, uh, oh, thanks, Paul. I was supposed to light the letter, or light the letters, light the, the candles, and, and uh, Paul, you got that for me. But that's part of it. We're trying to make it less onerous so where it's one person who's kind of flipping lights and all that sort of thing. So, I'm the only one who's, you know, potentially whatever. And uh, so I'm trying to make it easy and, you know, uh, and it was suggested like one, one entrance to come in and one entrance to go out. It just didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Like, so we're going to bottle up one and, I don't know, this, the social distancing thing works. You use multiple entrances. It seems to be 
little more logical. So anyway, we're going to do the best that we can through this period of time. And uh, in, in, in some ways here too, I'm actually excited for this period of time. While I wish that we could have more numbers within the church, and, and we can accommodate the numbers. Like with our congregation, we were, we were usually running around 50, 50, 55-ish anyway, and uh, our building capacity is 160, so we can actually do this anyway. But as far as some of these restrictions that come on and that, that have been put out there, it's we can look at them in one of two ways. It's kind of like, oh gosh, you know, it's just not church. But you know what? We can actually do church in a much wider, broader way, and uh, and even become even more participatory, even more engaging with one another. And that's what I'm looking forward to. And we'll see how it goes. We'll see. A lot of it's going to depend on all of us and how this goes too. Uh, so we'll respect phase three parameters as they're given to us and hope that it will lead to phase four. And that if there is a resurgence or a second wave where everyone has to revert back, I hope not for that, but you know, we'll take it as it comes. A couple other things I'm just going to mention. I've mentioned the offering. Um, we also have coffee on here. Used, well, at 9.30, 9.30ish, 9.45ish, Ron and Mary seem to, their 9 o'clock is, they're operating on, uh, on Ontario time. And so they come a little earlier. And, uh, but anyway, there's coffee on for everyone who would like to come have coffee before church and some conversation. And sometimes it's really engaging conversation. Sometimes it's, it's just conversation of interest. And so it's, uh, that's what's happening there. Um, next week is July 5th, and usually on the first month of every, of uh, the first month, and usually on the first Sunday of every month, we have communion. We're going to have communion in some way, and I'll talk with you, Jess, and we'll, we're going to do this in a way in which we can make it as, as safe as we can, and, uh, and I think we can, we can pull that off, so we'll be in touch, Jess, and, uh, and, then, and make that go. And um, so that's that, and also, too, but... The last two Sundays that we've been going here, it's really just been Luca who's who's here as far as children. And uh, so what we have done, well, I'll say it anyway. I mean, it's all the toys that, have, that are in here, that have been in that prior room and, and in the downstairs room, the magnet put away. Um, for Takiana to have to clean which toys were played with and which ones weren't, if there were children downstairs doing the service or and any you know in there, that would be an insurmountable amount of work to to do. And so, bring your own twice. Then, you know, that kind of kill or looks after that problem. And uh, and then in here, like if you were following podcasts, that there's a kids' corner. When kids come, we'll figure out how to do that. It almost seems to me, and this is just looking, this is just or maybe my own personal speculation. In coming back, I think there'll be a gradual return to church. But it almost seems to me that it will be the younger generation with the kids that may, well, with the exception of Mike and Yana, that will come back maybe you're in time. Because perhaps maybe, and it's speculation, perhaps they're worried more about their kids going here, there, and everywhere. Perhaps, maybe. Um, I'm not sure. And then it's, you know, waiting it out a little bit. And so, and we can respect that. But as they come back, I would like to include something for them in the service as well. And, uh, so that's all I'm going to say in all of that. And you'll notice your bulletins, they do look a little different, don't they? And, uh, and I forgot one, but um, on the one side, there is, uh, there's two boxes. One says hope given, and then the second one says hope for. And today we are going to be talking about hope, because without hope, where would we be? Hope is so, 
such a foundational part of the Christian faith. And uh, it sustains us, it helps us, it, um, it helps us to persevere, and uh, it keeps us looking forward. And what I'm going to be you to do in, uh, like through this service, is just keep that in mind. Like, how, is, how have you received hope in your lifetime? Can you think of a moment in time where you say, well, this is how hope was given to me. And then be thinking too, what are you hoping for in these days, in your life, for your life right now, what are you hoping for? And there will be a moment that for those who feel as so led or bold enough to come and they can, you can share that. And there's our participatory part of the service. And if, if it gets used, if, if that's, if there's people who share, if there are people who don't share, it's all good, it's all fine. But that's what that's for. And you can be thinking about that as we move along through the service. And so there's going to be some flexibility that is going to be required. So I'm going to ask that you be patient and you adapt. You know, adapt along with us and let's be open to, to these things. And so that's, that's today. And why don't we pray together and, uh, as, we, as we get going. And Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for each person that is here today. And I thank you for each person that is connected to this church in one way or another. Whether they were a, um, a regular attender or whether they were associated and came sporadically. Lord, I pray that you'd be with each one today. And Lord, that you would bless them. And Lord, that they would hear your voice in some way, in the ways in which they need to hear your voice today and in the, in the days to come. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with us here as we know that you are um, and lead us through this service and may it be encouraging, may it be inspiring. And Lord, may we leave this place today feeling that we had perhaps learned something or, or felt a touch from you in some way or another. So we give this time to you and ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Well, the Lord be with you. Got some church news to kind of uh, to go through here that I thought would be worth it here. So there, it's Sunday. Church news. And let's roll to the next. Just an update. The, uh, I had mentioned the Canadian Lutheran World Relief that we had sent the boxes in. I just actually did it this past week. So 55 blankets had been received, baby blankets, and thank you. And then 30... 36 sundresses as well. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they're all, oh, I guess that just regularly rotates, eh? And, uh, and 36 sundresses have also been received. So thank you for your generous giving. Let's go to the next one. We are approximately at 7,700 there, which, which isn't bad considering that we had about 15 weeks where we were um, away from here. So that's where we're at there. Birthdays. That is Aaron Elias. That's uh, that's Tara's uh, Tara's daughter. Aaron was had, was confirmed a couple of years ago, and that's a blast from the past. And so that's her birthday. And Brennan Hamp. That's the youngest of the Hamp boys. That's uh, it's his birthday on the thirtieth as well. Now the next one. This is my older brother, and. Uh, that's they both sent in pictures to because they missed Father's Day and, and they missed Father's Day man hey and so that's a happy birthday to him he's officially old and uh, Philip I couldn't find a picture of Philip but I figured you know what this guy has been such a help to us with that website that he he has some know-how that I don't have and uh, 
And that's that, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and, uh, but let me begin here too. I want to read to you from the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 89, uh, verses 1 through 4, and then 15 through 18. It goes like this. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence. I like that line. Walk in the light of your presence. They rejoice all day long in, they rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. They exult in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. You are our protection. Yes, our protection comes from the Lord. And he, the Holy One of Israel, has given us our King. My hope is built on nothing less. That is the, the hymn that I chose for today, given that we're going through this theme of hope today.
Helen, I'm going to ask if you would uh, read this morning's scriptures for us here. And uh, do you need to stand? Okay, good. Good morning. As I'm sitting here listening to the words of On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, it makes me think of another song, How Can I Keep From Singing? I just want to sing already. Anyway, all that aside, the New Testament reading for this morning is taken from Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 23. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, what, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Gospel reading is taken from Matthew 10, verses 40 to 42. Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Helen. And uh, so I got my message happening earlier on in the service this time, and it's, that's another thing that's a little different. It seems sometimes the message is kind of like on the, say on a title card, it's the, it's the one that you're waiting for, the main event and that sort of thing, and, and, uh, and really the whole, our whole time is that, right? Um, but uh, 
It was, uh, I, I thought long and hard over how to, how to put this message together um, this morning, and I found, uh, well, our, our, I'm going to read our Old Testament reading in a moment here, but um, our Old Testament reading comes from Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 28, verses uh, 5, through, 5 through 9, and it's only five verses long, and yet I found it to be quite thought-provoking, and of course there's a, there's a greater story that, that surrounds uh, this Jeremiah passage too, and and I, I found it. I did. I found it thought-provoking, and it's about it's about two prophets um, who shared this the same moment in time with one another, Hananiah, and then of course Jeremiah, and and both of these prophets they had a message to declare to the people of of their day, and they were living in uncertainty and and certainly through a lot of tragedy as well. And what had gone on is that Jerusalem, like the focal point of, of the land there, it had been attacked by Babylon for the first time. Babylon, the Babylonian first surge, the first attack on them. And the city was hit really hard. And it was hit with a force that was so strong, like Babylon just left them reeling. Um, they destroyed uh, the temple and they took captives with them. And, and so the, 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 the people of, of the land were reeling and they were bleeding and they were hit so hard that it left them wondering whether they could really sustain another attack if Babylon was to return and, and they would return. And Babylon was so strong and, and they seemed so menacing, not just to the people of Judah or to Israel, but to so many other people groups and, and, uh, and nations uh, and regions as well. And did they have reason to be afraid, Judah? Did they, did they need to worry? And so they're wondering these, they're asking these questions and they're the people of God after all. And so they inquire of the prophets. They look to the prophets and they ask, Hananiah, what is God telling you? about all of this. And Jeremiah, what is God telling you about what's going on here? And, and Hananiah, he had a very appealing message, and it was one of hope. And he told his listeners that they would be able to withstand the Babylonian resurgence when they would return. They would be able to withstand it, just as they had withstood so many others like Babylon in the past. Uh, they would they'd be okay, and this was just another one of those David versus Goliath scenarios where God would once again defeat an awful giant and once again um, win the day one more time. You know, we trust in God, right? And doesn't God take the side of those... Um, who trust in him and doesn't that mean that God is going to fight with us against our enemies it does but sometimes it doesn't play out quite the way you hope or want it to but bad giants always lose right isn't that the way it goes and so Hananiah he gives the people hope and he he energizes them he pumps them up and you know two years Two years and we're going to be past all of this. Don't you worry. And, uh, and when everyone heard that message from Hananiah, they all said, Amen. Even Jeremiah said, Amen. But he wasn't in agreement with Hananiah, though. But he sure wished that what Hananiah said was going to be true. He was hoping like crazy that that would be true as well. It's just that that wasn't the message that Jeremiah got. And he says, this is Jeremiah's words, he says, Amen, may your prophecies come true. I hope the Lord does everything you say. I hope he does bring back from Babylon the treasures of the temple and all of the captives. But listen, 
Listen now to the solemn words I speak to you in the presence of all these people. The prophets who preceded you and me spoke against many nations, always warning of war, disaster, and disease. So a prophet who predicts peace must show he is right. Only when his predictions come true can we know that he is really from the Lord. And Jeremiah's message here was very different from Hananiah's. He tells the listeners to accept what has happened and then prepare, pardon the pun, for the second wave. Because it was coming. And Babylon would be back and Judah would not be strong enough to resist them when they do come back. So prepare, prepare for it. Prepare for a long exile and, and make the best of it. And God will walk with them, but it was not going to be a quick pathway through the wilderness either. So you got two prophets and you have two interpretations. And, and on this side of the story, from where we sit today, we know which interpretation was the correct one. We know with certainty that Jeremiah's interpretation was the truth. The Babylonian exile, when they did return, when, when they brought, when they came back for that second time around. That was a 70-year exile that uh, the people had gone through. And even after the exile, it would take years for them to recover from all of that. And the question is, how did Hananiah arrive at his interpretation? And, and was he merely telling people what they wanted to hear? Was that what he, he, was, he was doing? Uh, I mean, did he, or did he, did he feel that his message would stir up enough energy and strength to rally Judah to victory after recovering from that first, or that, yeah, that first initial Babylonian attack? Or did he really believe that the voice he was hearing was the voice of God? And what are we to make of this story with with Jeremiah and Hananiah. And, and there is a number of different directions you can go. There is a number of things to glean from from this very short story, such as this. Uh, not every message that mentions God is from God. And, and sometimes the message being declared by a preacher or a teacher is for the purpose of winning favor, telling people what they want to hear, or, or color-coding circumstances with rainbows and skittles and something sweet. It makes people feel happy and, and they like the person who has nice messages to tell and share. But in time, Hananiah's message would be seen for what it is. False. And what I believe to be the baseline from this story is for all of us to consider the need that we all have for wisdom and discernment. To determine to determine direction and, and proper actions and wisdom and discernment to determine the faithful response to our circumstances. When to accept what we hear and when to resist what we hear. And, and it would seem to me that what is all too prevalent for too many people is to let someone else do their thinking. When we're all capable, really, of doing our own thinking and our own investigating especially as believers in Jesus who believe that, that we have God's Spirit in us. And something that came to my mind when considering this, this past week, it, it was the world of grief. And, and here's where I struggled in putting this message together, in just bringing it up, bringing up grief. And I use it as an example for wisdom and discernment, but grief is not the main premise of this message here. And I was reluctant to bring it up at all because grief can conjure up 
so much. It can conjure up sadness. It can, it can stir up feelings that perhaps we don't want to feel or perhaps we'd rather suppress than, than let surface. And I'm not wanting to stir up those, those things as much as I simply use grief as a means to make a point here this morning. When grief is experienced, it can be so painful and hard to manage um, over what it does to us. And, and we want the pain to stop. And, and dealing with grief has so much more complexity to it than one might think or imagine. And we're, Karen and I, we're taking a, a, a course in grief right now. It's by Rick Bergen. Some of you know who Rick is. I mean, you've, you're familiar with him, with his grief start thing. And, and in the course, he mentions something uh, that, that has been taught in other circles. Five stages of grief. And I just kind of want to walk through five stages of grief. Uh, and I can't remember the, the name of the person who came up with it. Uh, well, two people. Uh, the first, first is denial. Stage one is denial when going through grief. There's denial. This isn't happening. This can't be happening. And then there's stage two is anger. And as the masking effects of... Uh, of denial and isolation begin to wear off the, the reality it begins to set in and pain reemerges and we're not ready for that and there's this intense emotion that that is deflected from our vulnerable core and it's redirected and it's 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 expressed instead as anger and that anger can be aimed at inanimate objects or complete strangers or family or friends that's stage two, and then that leads to stage three. It's the if only question. If only. If only I had done this, or if only I had sought medical help, or if only I had sought a second opinion, or if only my last conversation was this rather than this. Bargaining. And then that leads to depression, a period of intense sorrow and then coming out of that depression is then stage five the final stage acceptance what has happened is it has happened there's closure there's finality uh, the grieving is over we move on now these five stages they are things that people will experience um, but not always all of them not always all five uh, and not always sequ sequentially either and the idea that is being put forward through this model is that through the five stages of grief, upon completion of them, that grief is then over. And closure at last. And this is an absolute fallacy. This couldn't be further from the truth. The, the, the model suggests that there is a, a progression toward closure and ending to grief. Now let me ask you who know grief or have known grief, when did it end for you? It didn't. And so perhaps then, there is another way to, to view our grief that will allow us to, to manage it better. You know, rather than view grief as an, as an enemy to avoid and to heal from, can grief then perhaps be viewed as something of value? Like just as exile for Judah, it was unavoidable, it was unwanted. Hananiah's message, it sounded so nice, didn't it? Two years. It sounded so good, but it wasn't helpful. Jeremiah's message, it was a hard message, but it was the truth. Why color coat the truth? And the truth is always supposed to be helpful, right? You see, I think grief, as I'm understanding it, 
It will forever be the connecting point of what and whom we miss. And who wants closure? Closure means, the very word itself means finality and end. And, and I don't want closure. I don't, I don't want to forget. But I, but I can learn to manage grief. And I can manage grief more easily, not always successfully, by viewing it not as an evil, but as a doorway to adapt to life as it is for me now without believing that I have to forget in order to move on. And so my overall point then is, is this. We do not need messages of rainbows and skittles to find new life through circumstances that are not of our own choice. The paths that we will walk, well, there's surely, there, there's going to be potholes, there's going to be bumps along the way. And there's going to be experiences that we're going to have that are going to leave permanent scars, but with, they do not have to give us an identity of defeat or resignation because there is always a doorway to something better or to something new, to new life, to healing. A doorway to discovering new life shaped by what we go through, which is hard. But it takes wisdom and discernment to choose to believe this. Faith. And all of the preachers, teachers, and prophets who are legit, they can proclaim this, yet it takes a personal choice to believe it and to walk it. I shared a story a number of years ago uh, from the time in which I had met Cliff and Wilma Dirksen. And it was really unusual circumstances that found where I found myself in their home, uh, I think it's 10 years ago now, in their home, in, a, in their living room that was filled with 25 other people who were journeying through life, which held within it for them their own personal set of challenge and trial and pain and difficulty. And, uh, and it was quite, quite a time. And, and just the backdrop of the, their story, for those who are maybe unfamiliar with, with uh, the Dirksons, it was the Dirksons whose daughter, Candace, in 1985, I believe it was, who uh, went missing. And she had been abducted in the dead of winter in what was November. And, uh, and she was left in a shed in the Elmwood district of Winnipeg. And this huge search went on for her, but their daughter, Candace, was unfound until about six to six and a half weeks later, the tragic news finally arrived on the doorstep of the Dirksons and Candace was found. She had frozen to death, bound at her hands and ankles. And for the Dirksons, five stages of grief, five stages of grief would be a fallacy. Now Candace is still with them. In fact, her memory um, is the motivation that Cliff and Wilma found to give them strength to do something difficult, and which was simply this, to embrace life. And their Babylon experience wasn't going to be a journey that they could trace out and map out. It, every day would be a day unto itself. Still is. Okay, so how did I find myself at the Dirksons' place? Well, while in Fort St. John, we got to know a fellow there who lived in our little neighborhood there, Carmelo Park. And, and, while, uh, and he followed the Dirksons' story. Um, the abduction of their daughter, Candace, and their story of forgiveness, the story of their own personal restoration, and, the, and the, their story of faith as they call out to God to hold them and heal them and breathe life back into their souls. And, and my friend began to write back and forth with Wilma, and she was responding back and forth too. And, there, and on the 25th anniversary of Candace's abduction, our friend encouraged Cliff and Wilma to host a, a vigil or... Or, or, yeah, host a vigil in her honor. And, and he wrote a tribute to be read at the vigil, which was held at the Dirksen home. And at that time, we were no longer living in Fort St. John. 
And my friend, he was no longer, they were, he was no, no longer in Fort St. John either. He was in New Brunswick, and we're here. And so he called me and asked, and asked if I would attend in his place and read his tribute when called upon. And so I agreed, and I went. And I couldn't find their place very easily. I was looking around and looking around, and it's in the same neighborhood with my older brother, but I couldn't, I'm bad with directions at the, in the best of times. And, and I was about to give up, and I made one last effort, and it paid off. I found the home, and upon entering the home, I, I, I believe I was the last one to arrive that would have made the gathering number there 25. It's ironic, really, isn't it? You know, 25th anniversary, 25 people on a 25th anniversary. And as I went in there, if I were to surmise, it, it appeared to me that more than half the people in attendance had never met Candace before. They, they knew of her only through Cliff and Wilma. And how does that work? Well, with the gospel story, the gospel verses that Helen had read in mind, those were the people, they're the ones who found a cup of cold water in their own Babylonian experience through having it given to them by the Dirksons who have made it their life's mission to reach out to the brokenhearted because their own personal experience gave them the empathy and compassion to know what a wilderness is like. A wilderness of pain. And the searing pain of loss uh, for Cliff and Wilma, what they felt it was unbearable. And, and forgiving Candace's abductor, that wasn't something that was just going to be easily done like, like that. But forgiveness... It isn't about forgetting it. It isn't about dismissing what had happened. It, it, forgiveness is such a larger thing than that. It was breaking the grip of all of the emotions that would overwhelm them and bury them if they didn't. Think of all of the sadness and the anger and, and the hatred and, and the bitterness and depression that was waiting for them. What message would be most helpful to them in this time? You'll get through this in time. Five stages of grief. Two years. Or this one. This moment that is before you is going to hurt. And the journey will be hard. And I wish so bad it could be otherwise, but you should know the truth. The road to new life is only made by walking it. But there is new life. And so then where is the hope? Uh, where's the silver lining here? And, and where is the new life? Well, for the Dirksons, there was new life. And it didn't include Candace physically, and there would be no substitute for that. However, there, is, there was a cup of cold water waiting for them when they were ready to look up and take it. And when they did, they became acutely aware of so many others who had personal pain of one kind, of one kind or another. And so they shared their cup of cold water, giving it to others who also hurt. And that cup of cold water, it's the love of Jesus. And it's always there for anyone who would reach it. And it's, just, and it's, and it's so good that it cannot, you can't help it. You can't hold it just to yourself. You have to share it. And in the Dirksen home 10 years ago, Again, about half the people in that room knew Candace personally. Perhaps they represented those who would give a cup of cold water to Cliff and Wilma. While the other half who didn't know Candace personally represented those who Cliff and Wilma shared their cup of cold water with. And for the Dirksons' passion in life has been to bring light and love and hope to those who experience tragedy. To give to the least of these the hope that there is new life to live and embrace because Jesus is all about giving new life to all who will take it.
And it is often found and given by Jesus through community, through his faithful followers who, when filled with compassion, will give and share and shine light where there's darkness so that another will see and be given hope. And the road isn't easy. There is some really awesome moments along the way. And you know, I think that's probably what makes the pain hurt all the more. Is in having experienced joy and freedom and peace and love and so many good things and then having it taken from you whether it was through the loss of a loved one or through another form of inner struggle the, the difference is so stark and yet there's a cup of cold water to be found always to be found along the way and it gives you new life and it's a cup that you just know you have to share. And, and what a message that is for the church today, especially in these days, that Jesus fills our cup and we're sent out to share it, especially with those who wouldn't get a cup of cold water if it wasn't given to them. And why not from the church? The people of God. Believers. If believers will bring them one. And if the church is not sent, what is the church? if not sent to the least of these. And there's life, there's always life. And we make the road by walking it.